So if you don't know who I am, you've never seen my face before, or if you've seen my face before, but don't know my name, I am Sam Moyer. I am the new guy around here, new kid on the block. Uh, I am the associate pastor of worship intern. Try and say that one 10 times fast. But yeah, so just to kind of forewarn you a little bit, the amount of times that I've preached to a church congregation adds up to a grand total of zero. So I've gave two messages to college students when I was in school, and I gave one over the summer to youth group, but church congregation is zero, so be forewarned for how you might this might go. That's how that is. So here we are at Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's right around the corner, and this is the part of the service that you hear every year for them or for the messengers saying all these things that you should be thankful for, like friends and family, football, and whatever else was mentioned earlier. But if you know anything about me, or maybe you will eventually, I very much dislike being typical or normal. I like being different. So if you check your bulletin, the message that I have for you is called Thankful in Affliction not the typical stuff that you would probably hear on a Thanksgiving, but that's what we are. So would you pray with me? So God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this service. Thank you for everyone that came here. We pray that this message that you have for, or to speak through me, will bless everyone here and that we'll have a good time and fellowship afterwards. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. So if you don't know, I graduated this past May. I graduated with a worship arts degree. And so after I graduated, I moved, or I moved to Colorado where, so I could be closer to Brianna, my wife, well, then fiance. But I moved to Colorado and I got a job in retail where I worked at Lowe's doing cashiering. And I very much did not like that for a variety of reasons. Well, but the biggest one was I worked closing shifts and I barely got to spend time with Brianna and her family. So after about a month of that, I switched jobs to work minimum wage at fast food. So I work, woke up at, or I woke up four to five times in a row every week at like five in the morning. So I know what you're thinking. What an upgrade. Oh yeah. Now, I'm perfectly capable of waking up early in the morning and going through my day. Don't ask the worship team, because I've been very bad at that the past couple weeks. But I'm perfectly capable. But you might look at those things and say, wow, that is not better than your previous. But I liked it so much better than my other job. For a variety of reasons, I mean, I got to spend more time with Brianna and her family. I didn't have to drive so far, it was much closer. I got to help with the youth group around there. I wasn't as bored throughout the whole shift. The list goes on and on. But in the midst of this job that seemed not so great because yeah, it wasn't the ideal job. So in the midst of this not ideal job, I tried to look at the bright spots, tried to look at the positives of life. But from my coworkers, a lot of them, all I heard was complaining like, I don't like my job, this is the only job I can get, I wish I can get paid more than minimum wage. And that's just how some people are. They just complain, complain, complain if the situation that they're in 
isn't ideal. But I wanna talk about that there's better ways to handle a situation than complaining. Obviously there are. So I wanna give you three things that you can do. The first of which is to be patient. And I definitely forgot to throw that on the screen. So if you don't remember, I can say it randomly at times. Be patient. So some suffering, some afflictions, some trials, they last longer than others. Some last a little bit of time. But if you remember, like in Israel, Israel was enslaved to Egypt for 400 years before the Exodus. David, after he was anointed king, spent some time in the palace with Saul and then proceeded to flee for half of his life from Saul to, to not to die. So the first of that I want to focus on in this message is Romans 12, 12. So Paul wrote Rome, or Paul wrote Romans. He's talking to the believing church in Romans, or in Rome. And he's talking to them about Christian living in this chapter, in chapter 12. So if you look at verse 12, he says right in the middle of this verse, and he says, be patient in affliction. Now, if you don't know much about Paul, Paul kind of knows what it's like to go through an affliction, go through the trial, or to just suffer in general. He says himself in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23, or in the, middle of that, in the middle of 23, he says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashings minus one. And if you didn't know, in Roman times, to get whipped 40 times or to get lashed 40 times was considered you were gonna die. So to give them the most torture and to not kill them, they gave him 40 minus 1, what was known as, which is what? 39, yeah. I went to Bible school, so math isn't my strongest. <laughs> but he says he got that five times. And he says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in country, in danger at the sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face a daily pressure, my concern for all the churches. So this is Paul, who's writing to the Roman church to be patient when afflictions come. This guy knows what it's like to go through an affliction. He's no, he knows what it's like to suffer, but he still is able to tell the Roman church to be patient. Now, how is he able to say, be patient to this church? Because yes, he gone through all that stuff. He gone through all those negative things. He suffered a lot, but he knows where he is when he wrote it. He knows God carried him through. So he's, and he knows he worships the same God that the Roman church does. He knows he worships the same God as we do. So God doesn't change. God's going to carry them through. He's going to carry us through. But he also knows that even for himself, if the suffering, or if God doesn't carry him through the suffering and he doesn't pull through, he knows where he's going to be. He knows he's going to be in heaven with God. And we see in Philippians that to him, that's a win. So that's why he says, 
be patient. And so what does this patience do for us? Where does it lead? And so in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, he says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. So James is taking a step further and saying you should even be joyful when you're going through trials, going through afflictions, going through suffering. Now, I don't remember anybody saying that they're thankful for suffering and thankful for all these horrible things that happen to them because that's not a stereotypical answer for Thanksgiving. But there was a couple of answers that said, man, we had this horrible thing going on, but now we're in a better spot. So James is saying, be joyful in, er, in persecution and affliction and trials and suffering. Because when you endure that trial, you gain perseverance. And when you gain perseverance, that, that leads to completion in Christ, not lacking anything. James is saying that when we endure these trials, it makes us more faithful, and then thus we're able to endure more trials to the point that we realize our only need is God. So when you're going through an affliction, be patient, let God work, lean in on him. So that was the first thing, be patient. Second thing is to pray slash give thanks. Also forgot to put that one up. So pray, give thanks. So Paul says, going back to Romans 12, 12, he says in the last part of the verse, to be faithful in prayer. The English Standard Version, which is the one I've typically used, says to pray, or to constantly pray, constantly in prayer. And then if you look at 1 Thessalonians 5.16, he says to pray continually. So Paul finds prayer so important that he says the same thing to two different churches, to pray constantly. But when this verse comes up, the question is also, or is often asked, or at least I like to ask it, what does it mean, or what does it look like to pray constantly? Because is that ideal? Is that, like, possible? The sixth grade boy comedians out there will be like, how am I supposed to pray when I'm asleep? And, you know, they got a point, because you can't really do that. So what does it look like? What is, it, what is Paul saying when he says pray constantly? Consistently pray. Pray without ceasing. So coming straight from the footnotes of my study Bible, it says this. Praying without ceasing suggests a mental attitude of prayerfulness, continual personal fellowship with God, and consciousness of being in his presence throughout each day. So Paul is saying that that not that we have to pray all the time and constantly, but that we should have God on our minds throughout each day. So saying a few word prayer every now and then to help us remind to help remind us of who we're living for. And to help us, like when we're going through this affliction, going through a trial, it helps us remember that God is with us. So in other words, Paul could have said in the Romans 12 verse, he could have said, be faithful, or, yeah. No, I lost it. He could have said, be patient in affliction and don't forget about God. And prayer is a way to do that. So you sixth grade boys can rest peacefully. 
not have to pray during it. So prayer also has this way of changing our perspective on certain situations. So Paul says, immediately after 1 Thessalonians 5.17 and verse 18, he says, give thanks in all circumstances. Now notice how it doesn't say, just give thanks, or give thanks when you're feeling thankful, or give thanks when it's Thanksgiving. No, he says, give thanks in all circumstances. So even in the circumstances where you're ready for the day to be over, or you're ready for this suffering to end, or you're ready for this new weird pastor to stop preaching so you can go eat pie. Being thankful will change our perspective on the situation or on the current situation. It can make what seems bad seem bearable. Now, I've been doing a, or a spiritual discipline on this very purpose. Now, I'm really bad at keeping up with it, so don't ask me how it's going or to see the what, I, what I've been working on because, yeah, you'll... It'll have a lot of misstates. But basically, at the end of the day, I would write down everything that I was thankful for that happened that day. And I had to do this a lot at, when, or at the fast food when I was working there because a lot of there were some days that weren't so great. So I would end the day, write down everything that I was thankful for, and then I would praise God for those blessings. That way, any of those negative days that I had wouldn't seem as bad and could change to a new perspective of all the negativity in my head. So speaking of new, new perspectives, I want to hit on one popular verse with a couple words that are often left out, and that's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And he, Paul says in Philippians, says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition. Somebody give me those two words. What? The next two words. With thanksgiving. Yeah, you guys are so confident. <laughs> Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying that in the midst of persecution, be in prayer but also be sure to sprinkle in some thanksgiving in there because that's important. And, that, and then you will receive the peace of God. Now, this peace isn't something that God can just give you. It's something that you have to work for. So you can't just say, or you can't just demand a God to give you what you want and give you this peace. No, you have to have thanksgiving in your heart. So Paul includes this with thanksgiving in this verse to help change our perspective and start growing some positivity. So that's the second thing. Be prayerful with a thankful heart. And the last thing I have is to rejoice. It's not up there, so rejoice. So going back to the Romans 12, 12, we get the second part and the last part. So the first part says, be joyful in hope. The English Standard Version says to rejoice in hope. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, to rejoice always. Now what is this hope that we're supposed to be rejoicing in? We sang this earlier. My hope is built on nothing less 
than Jesus' blood and righteousness. So our hope is built on the work of Christ and the cross. God's only son died so that we might live. He rose from the dead to show that death no longer has dominion over us. And now we hope in the second coming of Christ. And that time evil will be done away with, and that includes trials, afflictions, suffering. We can rejoice that the trials we go through have an end, and that trials and suffering will never happen again. And even if the trial that we go through right now, or that we're going through these days while on earth, doesn't end when we want it to, we can still rejoice that God isn't going to let us down, and that he's still good. Good. Oh... You can tell I'm a worship guy. But you have no room for rejoicing if you don't give thanks. How can you rejoice when you're too busy complaining about your job? How can you rejoice when you're too busy blaming God for something? How can you rejoice when you're too busy crying because the Packers are probably not making it to the playoffs this year? So that's why you need to be patient and grow in perseverance. Be constantly in prayer with a thankful heart and rejoice in the hope that we have in the second coming of Christ. Would you pray with me? God, we just want to lift up this night to you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you're never going to let us down. We thank you for your goodness. God, we pray for patience for all of us, and patience is a hard thing to pray for. But we pray that you can help us grow more patient. We pray that you can help us be more thankful and have this new perspective on life to show some positivity. And God, we just rejoice in the second coming of your son. We look forward to it. We're anxious for it. But God, you're good and your timing is ultimate to ours. So God, we give you this night. We pray for this fellowship that is about to occur. And yeah, we pray for a good rest of our night. And then we pray. Amen.